It's 2018, and Carol Meredith, an actress in California, was swiping through a dating app when she comes across a profile that catches her eye. The man's name was Mike. He's 48, he's got short dark hair, an olive complexion, and piercing green eyes. I was like, oh, he's pretty handsome, he looks buff, and he had these gorgeous eyes, and there was something about him that, like, piqued my interest. In his profile, he says that he's fun, positive, humorous, and adventurous. He's not into casual flings. As a matter of fact, he wrote, please swipe left if you just want to hook up. Not my style. Hashtag too classy. So Carol swipes right on Mike's profile. They match. Carol sends him a message and they start chatting. Mike tells Carol he's a sports agent. He doesn't have kids and he likes to travel. We had, you know, an awful lot of things in common. So I was like, wow, this sounds like he could be um, potential. Mike was fun to talk to. He was charming and they had shared interests. He said all the right things. I mean, when he made a comment about loving his mother, I was like, wow, any man that is fond of his mother, I mean, he's got to be the right guy. After a few weeks of messaging, Mike asked Carol out on a date. He suggested that they meet at this upscale Mexican restaurant in Pasadena. I like the fact that he took the initiative and said, you know, let's go out for a nice dinner. And then he mentioned, if things go well, we could go to a comedy club afterwards and just, you know, have some nice drinks. Carol was excited. Mike seemed promising. I mean, most of us have been there and just being frustrated, just, you know, year after year, just meeting guys that were just like, yuck. And so I was very hopeful. Carol drove to Pasadena to meet Mike. She stepped inside the restaurant and spotted him at a table all the way in the back. He said, wow, you're breathtaking or something like that, which was, you know, flattering. Okay, nice. He's smooth. So far, so good. As she sat down, she noticed a plate on the table with some remnants of shrimp tacos. He had already ordered a meal and eaten it. I said, oh, wow, that's interesting. You've, you've already ordered? And he said, yeah, I was hungry. You'd be surprised how much I can eat. I thought that was strange, but it didn't raise any red flags at that point. Yeah, that sounds a bit strange to me, too. So they made small talk as they started looking over the menu that clearly he had looked over already. Carol told the waiter she wanted a chile relleno. And then that's when I was surprised because he was proceeding to order another meal. Okay, so this dude really can eat. Shortly thereafter, maybe like five, less than 10 minutes, he tells me um, that he has to go to the restroom. So Mike leaves and Carol sits and waits. Well, five minutes pass, 10 minutes pass, 15 minutes pass. I'm just sitting there waiting for him to return. Eventually, their food arrives, but there's no sign of Mike. And I um, texted him saying, hey, where are you? Our food's here. It's getting cold. No response. More time passes. Her date is nowhere to be seen. And then the restaurant's owner came over to Carol's table. 
and he said, um, if you don't mind me asking, how long have you known this guy? So a little bit, I was inside a little bit concerned. And I said, well, actually, this is our first date. And he said, I'm not sure if you're aware, but he's been all over the news. Mm, this is not something you want to hear on a first date. I'm Alzo Slade, and this is Cheat, the show where we ask, is it ever okay to break the rules? This week, Los Angeles's terrible, no good, very bad dater. In 2016, Marjorie Moon, a nurse and single mom living in L.A., matched with a guy named Paul Azzini on the dating app Plenty of Fish. He said he was a CEO of a gym franchise. He sent her pictures of his children and told her that he was looking for love. Eventually, Marjorie met Paul at a high-end steakhouse. Right away, she noticed some things were off. For one, he showed up without a car. For a CEO and one that lives in L.A., that just didn't seem right. And then, when it came to dinner, he ordered more food than the average person could eat. A chicken dish, four lobster tails, and a chocolate souffle. He proceeded to eat all of it. After that, he excused himself to go to the bathroom and never came back. Suddenly, Marjorie was stuck with a $250 bill. And she was on a tight budget, but she covered it and also felt so frustrated. And then later that evening, suddenly she sees a text pop up on her phone. Hey, what's up? It was from this guy who had just ditched her. He was acting like nothing had ever happened. And of course, this sent her over the edge. Marjorie made a Facebook post blasting his pictures and warning other women to stay away from him. The post went viral. Her inbox was flooded with women who said he'd done the same thing to them. Pretty soon, the media picked up the story. We've all had some pretty bad dates before, right? But this next serial dater in Los Angeles might just take the cake. A friend of mine had told me about a rumor about this guy who was running around Southern California by taking women out on dates and running out on a bill and the date. This is Mona Holmes. She's a reporter for L.A. Eater, covering all things food and drink. So she said, you have to look into him. And I completely agreed, you know, because this, after all, is my beat. I mean, this is perfect fodder for anyone who is a woman who is out there dating men in Los Angeles or any city for that matter. If you've ever dated, you know it can be rough out there. Mona knows it. So covering this story was personal to her. It was something that was work-related, but I felt uh, a duty to my fellow woman <laughs> in Los Angeles in hopes that I could help them avoid this man. Mona started talking to some of the women who went out on a date with this guy. And it became clear his behavior was a pattern. He started off making profiles on all kinds of dating sites using different names and personas. So his MO was started out with his profile as being the perfect guy. 
He capitalized off of women by saying that he wanted a relationship. He, he told these women that he had high-paying jobs, but never was able to produce evidence that he was actually working at said high-paying jobs. This dude claimed that he was a sports agent, a gym CEO, even a bodybuilder, which, if it was real, would explain all the food he needed to order. I can't imagine how much time this must have taken, keeping up with multiple women on a regular basis, remembering their names, remembering their faces, remembering when they've spoken. This had to have been like a full-time job for him that he got away with for a while. He chose upscale restaurants and suggests meeting for dinner. He ordered appetizers, entrees, side dishes, and finished all of it. Then he'd say he had to go to the bathroom or some other excuse, like a relative was sick. He would pretend to get a text message or, or say that he had to take a phone call and step out, only to disappear. And then, of course, the date would be stuck with the bill. Some of the women were unemployed or single parents. Mona says one victim had to use some of her rent money to cover her check. And it seemed to be happening to more and more women. Women kept contacting news outlets to share what happened with them. And so these stories snowballed. They kept coming. And then the Dine and Dash dater moniker just stuck. The man known as the Dine and Dash dater tracks women online using various first names and then dines and dashes on the first date. He ordered a salad with shrimp, filet mignon. He says, I'm going to the bathroom. I'll be right back. And he never did. I was shocked that anybody would do this. I didn't bring it to the restaurant. Nothing. I think I was more embarrassed. I felt, I felt done. This man needs to be stopped. And God knows how many other women he will attempt to do this to. Eventually, reporters identified the Dine and Dash dater as 45-year-old Paul Gonzalez. And this guy covered a lot of ground. He dined and ditched his way from Pasadena to Long Beach. That's 30 miles. And he did it to a lot of women. I learned that there were a minimum of 20 women, but given the boldness and the lack of remorse, <laughs> I would be willing to bet a lot of money that there could be many more to 100. 100? All of this just to get some free meals? And what's crazy is Paul even used the same trick outside of dating. There were complaints that he pulled off what's called snipping ditch. He was also skipping out on paying for haircuts. In one case, he left a salon in Pasadena with a smock still attached. A guy running out of the barbershop with a smock still attached. That's quite a scene. Paul kept up this scheme for at least two years, partly because no one could seem to find him, and partly because, technically, what he was doing wasn't illegal. The restaurant bills were getting paid after all, just not by him. I mean, leaving the barbershop without paying, that's one thing. But ditching his dates at the end of a meal, is that really a crime or you just being a bad date? The women he ditched, one of them stopped. And one Pasadena police officer was desperate to help. But catching the dining dasher would be harder than it seemed. That's after the break. Have you ever felt like escaping to your own desert island? 
Jane Gaskin did exactly that, trading in the family home to begin a new life in the tropics. But she soon discovers that paradise has its secrets. I'm Alice Levine, and this is The Price of Paradise, the island dream that ends in kidnap, corruption, and murder. Wish you were here? Follow The Price of Paradise now, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to True Spies, the podcast that takes you deep inside the greatest secret missions of all time. Suddenly out of the dark, it's appeared Bin Laden. You'll meet the people who live life undercover. What do they know? What are their skills? And what would you do in their position? Vengeance felt good. Seeing these people pay for what they'd done felt righteous. True Spies from Spyscape Studios, wherever you get your podcasts. In April of 2018, on probably a typical gorgeous California day, the Pasadena police received an anonymous tip. From a random person at the Pasadena location for Buca di Beppo, the, the Italian chain. And this person observed a man skip out on a bill with a date, leaving the woman to pay. It sounds like the dying and dash dater struck again. The case was assigned to someone who could handle the unusual, Detective Victor Cass. He's a detective by day and romantic novelist by night. Detective Cass wanted to do an interview with us, but his department respectfully declined. Detective Cass has seen his fair share of strange cases cross his desk at the Financial Crimes Unit. Ones like the Glass Man Burglar. How about the Guitar Bandit? But this Dine and Dash dater, this was a story straight out of one of his books. Detective Kaz wanted to capture this guy. He had a young daughter himself and hated the idea of young women like her being subjected to this kind of behavior. He started looking into it online and calling around to other precincts. So he discovered that not most, but all law enforcement in the area were unaware of Gonzalez's pattern. So Detective Cass hit the street. He went to several restaurants in the area, and women reported going out with the dine and dasher. He collected sales receipts and traced them back to victims. He interviewed victims trying to paint a picture of Paul's life, but it was hard to separate fact from fiction. Then Detective Cass hears on the news about Carol Meredith's very bad date. He goes to the steakhouse and watches security footage of Paul slipping out of the door in the middle of their date. He was on Paul's heels, but he couldn't quite pin him down. The investigation, it turned into this cat and mouse game of Cass checking out different sites throughout Southern California with more police looking after him. And he got a warrant for his cell phone to help triangulate Paul's movement. But his movements were all over the place. It looked like Paul was mostly hanging around in parking lots and places where he could charge his cell phone. Detective Cass was able to track down Paul's ex-wife. She told him that Paul once worked high-paying jobs, but for some reason, he lost interest. She didn't know where Paul lived. Cass also spoke to Paul's mom, a clinical social worker living in Pasadena. She was unaware of the accusations against her son and also didn't know where he was living. Officer Cass said that 
you know, this guy is impossible to locate. He's like a ghost when he doesn't have a permanent address. Detective Kaz wondered if maybe Paul didn't have a home. He was likely couch surfing and living on the streets. So instead of trying to find Paul, Detective Cass decided to try and get Paul to come to him. Cass asked a colleague to set up a fake dating profile, hoping Paul would take the bait. But unfortunately, the only thing the detective got was a deluge of messages and pics. And I'll just stop right there with the details. You get the point. Anyway, Paul didn't go for it. But tracking down Paul Gonzalez wasn't the only problem here. It occurred to Detective Cass and the rest of the police involved that even if they caught him, how exactly would they go about charging this guy? Dining and dashing is a crime. In California, you can be jailed for up to six months or fined up to $1,000 if your bill was under 950 bucks. But again, this guy left in the middle of a meal and his dates were the ones who covered the bill. So technically, there was no crime committed. So Cass teamed up with Pasadena's deputy district attorney, Michael Fern, to decide on how they could convict Paul. The bulk of what he was doing wasn't illegal, but morally uncool. Some of the victims expressed to Cass that they were feeling embarrassed and afraid to talk to the restaurant about being ditched on a date. Ah, Fern thought. Hmm, the victim feeling fear? that could qualify as extortion. So they worked together to come up with a charge of extortion because he was forcing these women to pay for expensive meals. Okay, so they had something to work with, a charge for Mr. Paul Gonzalez. But now they still had to find him. As it turns out, Detective Kaz wasn't the only one on the case. A month into the case, Paul Gonzalez was spotted by Inside Edition. He happened to be at a coffee shop just a block away from where he left Carol Meredith. Caught on camera, it's the guy known as the notorious Dine and Dash serial dater. The TV crew follows Paul as he awkwardly tries to ignore their questions and walk away. You've been going to local restaurants with women that you meet online. I've been uh, leaving them with a check. Don't you feel bad about that? Eventually, Paul runs off. The TV crew got closer to Paul than Detective Kaz had gotten and victims were getting eager for more news. I was texting him saying, any leads, any any updates? Because I was just so like ready for him to be arrested. Paul Gonzalez seemed to be just about everywhere, but he was still impossible to find. I mean, here's what I love about the story. You could not make this up. I, I don't think that anyone could come up with a fiction character better than Paul Gonzalez. A few months after Inside Edition chased Paul away, Detective Kaz was out patrolling one evening. As he strolled down the street, he noticed a street vendor with a familiar face. Officer Kaz spotted Gonzalez selling counterfeit Laker t-shirts in Old Town Pasadena and just took him into custody. Yeah, you heard it right. This dude, who was all over the news, was selling bootleg Laker t-shirts right out in the open. His hustles just don't stop. The news of the arrest quickly spreads. The women we spoke with tonight say they were left with a bill at nice restaurants here in Pasadena. They say they're happy that the Dine and Dash dater has been stopped in his tracks. Up next, Paul Gonzalez goes to court. 
And he can't dash out on this one. Paul Gonzalez was facing a total of 10 felony counts, including extortion and grand theft. If convicted and charged, he'd be looking at 13 years behind bars. Dates who'd been walked out on by Paul were thrilled. I'm ecstatic. I I think justice is served. I hope he gets what he deserves. He doesn't have to worry about any meals now. He's going to get three square meals a day. In September of 2018, Paul's preliminary court hearing took place. Paul pleaded not guilty to all charges, and several victims took the stand. Each of them were more interested in making sure that justice was served, but also so that no other woman had to suffer this kind of humiliation. There was definitely a sisterhood happening between all of these victims and also likely a sense of empowerment to take their power back from this scenario. Carol Meredith testified, though it wasn't easy. I'm very comfortable in front of the camera and telling my story, but in that courtroom, it was it was nerve-wracking. I was also angry because he, he denied everything and he showed no remorse. After listening to all the witness testimonies and the district attorney, the judge came to a decision. The judge concluded that the women were the victims, but the judge didn't believe that it warranted extortion. And so instead, the prosecution, who didn't agree with the judge's ruling, decided to send it to a superior court and see what they would do to it. It's rare that a case is sent to a superior court. But that's what this strange case came to. I guess they needed a second opinion. And the superior court judge agreed that they couldn't place an extortion charge on him. On November 20th of 2018, Paul Gonzalez pleaded no contest to three misdemeanor counts of defrauding an innkeeper by non-payment, a fancy term for dining and dashing. He also had one misdemeanor count of petty theft. He was sentenced to 120 days in jail in order to pay $240 restitution to two of his victims. He was put on probation for three years and had to stay at least 100 yards away from five of the restaurants he frequented. And of course, he was banned from several dating sites. Some people felt justice was served, but for others, the verdict was kind of a disappointment. Officer Cass and the deputy district attorney in Pasadena, they were hoping for a longer sentence. Carol wasn't happy with the result either. I mean, because I was angry and, you know, he was up against all these charges and then ultimately a lot of them got dropped. In court, Paul never explained the motive. I don't think we'll ever know why he did this. As you can imagine, the internet had a whole lot to say about the trial and verdict. People love to weigh in on modern dating culture. A lot of people sympathize with the women who'd been abandoned at the dinner table by Paul. I mean, who among us hadn't been stood up or canceled at the last minute? We've all felt some small version of the humiliation these women felt. Men and women everywhere, not just the United States, were saying, God, I I would kill someone if this happened to me. And then there were people who related to Paul. Paul's behavior was seen like the inverse of all the ways men are supposed to feel and act when it comes to dating. Some viewed Paul not as a huckster, but as someone who was subverting the norm, rebelling against the pressure and expectation that society places on men. And they wanted to cheer him on. 
I guess just about anyone can feel victimized by dating culture. I mean, I'm old fashioned, but I don't have an issue paying on a date. I mean, I think it's all about having an open line of communication. Because believe me, there are plenty of gold diggers out there. I mean, there are plenty of women who also prey on men. Listen, when it comes to dating, being respectful and communicative, I think are baseline expectations. That should apply to everybody. We don't know why Paul did what he did, but he involved other people. And those people had expectations of him. Those baseline ones of respect and communication. And when it comes to this crazy world of online dating and where trust and communication and respect are par for the course, how about you do something simple? Just be honest or swipe left. Hey, folks, thanks for listening. Just a reminder to follow Cheat wherever you get it. And please do leave a rating and a review if you like what we're doing. It helps other people discover the show. And of course, we want more listeners. Also, if you want to listen to the show without the ads, you can subscribe to Cheat Plus. It's like Cheat, but better. It's just $2.99 a month, or if you're in the UK, £2.49. And you get all of this without having to listen to those annoying commercials. Just go to Apple Podcasts and hit subscribe instead of follow. You can try it for free now. Next time on Cheat. There was a lot of Photoshop involved, a lot of black and white filters, and the most ridiculous picture that had a fake rip running through the middle of it to hide the fact that I had modern clothes and was definitely not a 19th century scientist. And this picture went up on Wikipedia. Never thought anyone would buy it for a moment. And yet, over 10 years later, it was not only still there, but being used by some relatively reputable sources. Cheat is presented by me, Alzo Slate. This episode was produced by Casey Georgie. The executive producers are Lizzie Jacobs and Tom Koenig. The series editor is Megan Dietrich. The original idea for the show was developed by Tom Fuller. Mixing and scoring by Martin Peralta at Output Media. Special thanks to the Sony legal team. Our production coordinators are Jennifer Mystery and Iker Egbatola. <laughs>